Welcome to the 100th episode of the Life Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. In celebration of this milestone achievement, which is both personal and professional, and the generous time and commitment of the inspiring and accomplished guests I've had the pleasure of speaking to over the last three years, who've shared their stories, the challenges they've overcome, their wins and career success. These next few episodes will include a montage of some of the key highlights and takeaways for you. This is part two of three montage episodes combining some of the key highlights from our guest interviews. Enjoy listening and do share with me your favorite soundbite or episode. I chose to see myself as an advocate for not just neurodiversity but inclusion specifically because I think that we focus way too much on diversity and um, we don't focus on making the, the right changes to accommodate these the people that are diverse that represent diverse backgrounds um so yeah blogging became an outlet it still is um, I have no issue sharing what's on my heart and what's on my mind. Um, and I think that's what has um, brought me the attention that I have received um, since getting into tech is that I'm not afraid to share what I'm feeling. Um, I know in some environments there could be like, people might see it as a consequence, might lose their job, etc. But for me, this is what you get, you know? And if I am sharing what it is I'm feeling in the environment, you have to ask yourself, why is it that way? Sometimes people will see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And you might, well, for me, I, I question, you know, I question my confidence, I question my technical knowledge, and I struggle to put sentences together because of my dyslexia, etc. But despite all of that, people say you can and you are. And even when you feel that you're not, um, all of these nominations and the support and the people that I've connected with from OBE winners to MBE winners and CEOs and even people like just learning to code in places like Congo or Zambia or it's just like wow like they, I am capable I am doing things I am inspiring people In every company, that was the biggest challenge is I wanted to bring about change, but change for a logical reason, not because I wanted to prove myself any better than others. And it was the logic that I had to fight the resistance that people put up with me. I would say I'm an authentic person. I have to be true to myself. So I would not, I would have quit my job if I had to basically say, okay, I'm going to accept. So to me, I think the biggest struggle I would have is with myself if I accepted things as they were, when I knew that it should not be that way. And, and that's what I see in cross-cultural thing, people who are, you know, upset uh, by it, shocked by it, and people who are tolerant, and then people who are, go out of their way to help understanding what your values are. When somebody is in fear, it means they are asking the question, what about me? 
what is going to happen to me? Whereas if, you, uh, if you're a courageous person or if you have courage, you're asking what is happening to the other person and how can I help? So I think in a pandemic, what is happening is everybody is basically in fear mode. They are wondering, oh, what is going to happen to me? And they're not thinking. Uh, and, and that's why it is very important for people to have that cross-cultural communications or communications training where cross-cultural is part of it. See, I, I don't believe that we should just focus on cross-cultural communications. I think communications on a broader level with ground rules and everything and cross-cultural should be an integral part of that training. The biggest benefits for me was not just uh, the ability or gaining the knowledge to do the associated work I needed to actually do, whether it's a simple thing as a presentation or back in the day when I was a techie, right? It was all based on what coding language I needed to learn and, and, and how to do the syntax and how to build it up. Um, it was also the mental and the career side side of it as well, because for me, right, you, you can use mentors to get the job done and know mentors in certain areas, but it's all about where you perceive you to be actually be and where you want to go. Um, because now is important, but tomorrow is just as important. It's just as important to understand where you are now as it is where you want to go to. And there's nothing wrong in just doing your job and you know going in, getting it done and walking away. But are you really achieving anything? So you have to think about the next steps ahead and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. The most critical thing is value add. So what I mean by that, if you don't feel you're adding a value, if you're not adding value to what you're doing, then why are you doing it? But relationships, real, real relationships helps in that whole process of enjoying your job, uh, of doing the best you can be, of opening up if you've got any kind of trauma that's going on in your life, for example, that happens to everyone at some particular point in time. Know that there's someone there that's going to be able to go through and stand by you, uh, that sort of thing. That's, that's an important part of it. Um, but relationships also are good for uh, exchanging ideas. It's really good uh, to be able to go through and say, hey, what would you do? Uh, I've got this problem. What do you think I should do? Um, and trust that, that that's going to work. Uh, deep relationships make that happen. Uh, picking an area that you really want to go into and getting good in that particular area just propels your growth. It changes your conversation. It changes who's in your relationship circle. It, um, it, when you, you have much more confidence, uh, if, you, if you can see where that's happened before, talk to people that's done that. Uh, but it, it, to me, it gave me an identity. I think a person has to have be confident. Uh, if, you don't, if you have a lack of confidence, uh, it'll show through everything. People won't believe in you. They won't believe in themselves because they don't believe in you, especially if it's your idea. Uh, you know. So you know, you know, a person needs to be confident. And to be confident, there's several very strong pillars under confidence. One is success. You, you need a, a way also to determine what success is. 
I, I, I firmly believe if you're, if, you, if you're not confident to lead, you can't lead. If you bring out the best in others, all those relationship items that we talked about earlier will come to life too. The art here is to, is to start with a partnering model that fits the business that you're wanting to do. If you're looking for short-term fix, typically in the continuum of partnering, you might be looking for a resale partner. You can go to a resale partner quite quickly and agree some commercial terms and they're quite short and you can have access to a volume market quite quickly and the returns therefore are quite quick. There's nothing wrong with that if that's into your strategy and fits with what you're doing and can be managed uh, in, in an efficient way and there's a market opportunity, that's great. But you know, there's a whole spectrum from a resale partner, key to any organization, because that's the volume, the lifeblood of interactions that take place, all the way up to a strategic alliance partner. And the opposite of that resale partner is a strategic alliance partner is often trying to do something very unique, uh, maybe at very high capacity with lots of complexity, might be multi-geography, might be in a highly regulated environment, might be in market areas you're not familiar with. Um, all of that adds complication to the partnering model, but there'd be no point in saying strategic alliance partner would have the same turnaround time um, as a, as a resale partner, they've just got different uh, timescales associated with them. And I think the clever business, and I've been lucky enough to work, still do for some clever businesses, they realize, you know, you're either going to focus on one area and do it really well, or you're going to have a complete ecosystem of partners uh, to satisfy different needs of your strategy. And the, the latter can just literally be one person, an alliance lead, looking after a really key strategic partner that your business is fundamentally connected to. Or it can be, you know, sometimes I've worked in quite large teams who manage a whole gamut of resell or indirect partners, uh, transacting on a daily, hourly basis sometimes. And, you know, businesses decide where they want to get the value from partnering amongst that, that, that continuum. But I think with time, uh, what I came to understand is all people are people. So whether they are, you know, NMD and whether they went to Cambridge or whether they went to another university, it doesn't really matter because what matters is the impact which you make in terms of your job. And you can become, you know, you can become better if you want to become better and you can do it much quicker than perhaps you are told you can do it. I do want to continue to grow. So at the moment, I'm planning, you know, to grow to this first partner from Russia in the UK, which would be quite interesting, I guess, for me, uh, just given my background, but also just given all my family history. I do think that I'm giving much more effort as, as I have been growing up myself, to give back to the community, to give back, I would say to the women, but not just to the women, I would say to anyone who is perhaps a migrant or to anyone who feels that they need coaching or mentoring or anyone who may want to be more resilient. I've been doing that through a number of charities. I'm also doing it as part of UPMG and I also do it just, I guess, for the people that reach out to me. I do think that I would feel successful when it's not just me who is, you know, successful and has a good lifestyle, but when I can see that the other people hopefully benefited either from my time or from my advice or from my perspective, and, you know, this helped them become better, at least in something.
I think people fall into the trap of in interview mode is I ask a question and then I get, and I, I often just, there's a point at which you stop this, but I let it roll is how long are they going to give on this one question? Right. I've asked a question. No one ever asks. That's interesting. Give me some context. Why are you asking that question? Now you don't do that when it's, where did you, where, how long have you been somewhere before? Some basic, but some questions warrant being able to ask and say, okay, I don't want to misunderstand that. Just give me a bit more context of what, what, why you're asking that. It buys you time to think and shows you that you, it's a two-way thing. But I've had people go for 20 minutes and they're still going. And, I, and it's a point of, am I going to go for the world record answer or do I, do I interject? Because they're talking their way out of it already. And they're not answering, and, and I've forgotten what my question was now. Right, so it, it's, for me, it should be a conversation. Forget it's an interview. You're both figuring out if there's a good match here where you can bring value to each other. And I think where I'd advise people is be careful. Right now, people, some people have been furloughed for a long time, whatever. It's very easy, I think, to, be, to, to drift into, I'm desperate for this role and letting that come across. There is nothing wrong with stating at some point, you know, I'm really keen on this role. I have struggled during the past year because of this or the family, whatever it is, being authentic, but don't let it take control of your behavior. And I've watched it happen and you feel for people, but you don't want to see that, that it's taken over them. Mm. Right? Give an answer and make it a conversation, a chat, you know? So yeah, I'm really, can I ask you a question then? When they've asked you a question, can, do you mind if I ask you a question? Don't let it all be. Here's all their questions. And right at the end, um, do you have any questions? Yeah, I've got some questions. You're, you're, you're being subservient. Why, why are you being subservient? Because they've got a job and you want it. The easiest thing that you can do today, everybody has got LinkedIn, right? Just go look for the name of the group. Uh, reach out to somebody that works there. Ask, you know, ask everything that you want to ask. People are open. People will help you. And especially I think today is even much more than there used to be before. Um, no need, but the feeling of wanting to help the younger generation outcome all the challenges that they are facing now, because they are much more than, you know, five years ago for me, but also many more than 10 years ago for, you know, you or anybody else. So, and, and that's exciting. And that's something that students and young girls have to know. There's a community full of people happy to help you, happy to support you. It is a chain, right? We are, we are talking about the, the fear and, you know, the fear of not maybe reaching out to somebody that won't create that, um, you know, that for that um, networking experience. But it is on a much bigger picture, but in my opinion, because when you have the fear, it means that you are lacking in some confidence that is due to the fact that you might don't feel enough or somebody made you feel you're not enough. There's so much that goes into psychology. I'm not going to dive into it today. But if you, would, if you wouldn't have that fear and if somebody would help you, make you feel, use that fear in a positive way instead of on a negative one, then you would reach out to people and you would have more network and you would have even more great things in your life. So imagine 
how, I mean, people do anyway, despite they use, they have a negative fear. Imagine what would happen if that was a positive fear, if there was some, something that motivates you in a, such a big way to get out of your comfort zone even more. The one thing I've always done is I, my learning style is I learn and I present what I've learned, either try and write a blog or I write myself a white paper. So, so for me to understand, I try and write back my notes in a way that I can present to somebody else. And I really try and write those in a layman's terms. I probably overuse analogies just to make it easy for somebody to compare it to something they, that they would really understand. Um, but, uh, but just recently I presented to an Atlantic conference on IT modernization to business transformation. Sounds like quite a dry topic. But my first slide started with, right, what would this look like for an, a new starter leaving university and starting as a mechanical engineer for a firm? Let me talk to you about Alex, this hypothetical person, and imagine what would life be like for them. So I centered the conversation almost immediately on something that was relatable to everybody in the audience, which is a student leaving university and needing to become very productive in two weeks, right? So that is a sort of technique which says, you know, get quickly to some level of basic understanding with your audience. And then from there, you can build more complex uh, topics, right? And, and that, I, I, I won't say I've sort of like built a technique, but I've just learned how to build a relationship with an audience on some layman's terms and quite simple. And so I, I rarely talk about machine learning or deep learning or the data science and the algorithms involved. I bring it to life and say, look, natural language processing is like talking to Siri or to Google. So you as a consumer are already using machine learning models, you just don't realize it. Well, imagine you could use that same model to do this kind of thing. So you try and take it back to something they do understand, then build from there. And so that's that's the sort of layman's technique I, I always use, which is no matter how clever or difficult you think this topic is, go back to some level of common understanding with your audience or the person you're speaking to and build it logically from there in easy to understand language. Working in different countries definitely gives you a liberty to become you know, more smarter in this global role because you're already coming from the mindset of, of adaptiveness. Uh, the, the way I will describe that in my global role, the, how it became or you know, how did I use my, my learnings uh, is, is a, I will differentiate is one is a global clients and the partners. And the second is, is, is your colleagues, right? So your global clients are partners, you know, they are sitting in a different time zone, different country. Uh, they also need the local touch, uh, apart from you only being there. So for that, the way I see is that I always see that, Hey, start building a bridge. So the way you start building a bridge is that, you know, say for example, uh, you have your global client and a partner uh in, in in india and in singapore then start making sure that you got a good colleague and a team based within 
India and as well as in Singapore and try to bridge them as well. Uh, help help to, to, to bridge that culture gap because they feel that they're speaking with me, but at the same time, they have someone at a local as well who are there to support. Uh, so that's that's that that that's a one thing. B, I start learning from my own colleagues first. Within that, that what are the challenges are going to be within that particular market? What are the uh, success stories are there within that particular market and uh, particular that countries as well? And then hey, you know, then start listening to your global clients, understand your global partners as well, and then work in a partnership with your colleagues. And with your partners and, uh, and if you apply these simple strategies you know understanding uh, uh doing some homework understanding the local market understanding the local culture understanding the local success stories as well and then implementation it works thank you for listening please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so and if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.